All right, y'all. Um, hopefully you do not hear too much of the background noise. Um, I'm trying something new for this episode. Um, instead of connecting my phone, I'm connecting my iPad. I usually use my phone. Um, and then I realized, oh, crap. Um, I use my GPS as a crutch, even though I know how to get home. Um, and then clearly, um, I realize I can't be recording and look at the GPS. So here we are. Uh, the affirmations are, I am wonderful. I am creative. I am enough, I am worthy, Um, I am beautiful, I am intelligent, I am me, I'm trustworthy, I am trust, uh, I trust myself, I am loving, I am loved, we will have a good podcast episode. So this one, man, this one. So um, I'm still kind of thinking through um, the sequence of episodes. I do have my my plan um, that I go by, et cetera, et cetera. But I also did realize that um, the title of this particular episode, episode four, is Healing and Education. And this one is probably going to be a two-part episode because of how much there is to unpack here. Um, We talk about, especially because, you know, the pandemic. So there's added layers to not only deal with regular, you know, day-to-day shit, but also the fact that we are currently um, and have been going through a lot in terms of the pandemic. So um, being able to acknowledge that is important. Um, We start to know and notice how deeply rooted um, social issues are, even down to healthcare. Um, and mental health. And I think that uh, very similar to the previous episode where I talk about how bilingualism is a complex and beautiful thing to know and have and understand and knowing more than one language. It's the same idea for mental health. I think that when we talk about open and and constant and honest, um, we get to places that we wouldn't otherwise. But I can say this, I'm not a licensed social worker or licensed um, psychologist or psychiatrist by any means. Um, But I do feel like I come from a place of understanding and a place of loving. um, I have a very, I guess, idealistic way of thinking. Um, I have not given up on 
humanity and people as a whole. I have not, um, I have not, you know, and man, there is some sick shit out there. So just know that I'm not negating that. I'm not taking, you know, value or or the reality of it. But I could say this, especially working with kids, like, once you understand um, that most kids want to do the right thing, um, but socially, culturally, um, the right thing doesn't necessarily mean um, the same thing across the board. And also knowing that, you know, coming from a place of darkness is hard. Coming from a place of trauma is extremely hard. And knowing, um, you know, having the tools, having the tools um, is important. And so as, as someone that had to struggle with her own mental health, and here's where it gets kind of tricky because I want to be still my very awkward and private self without revealing so much of myself um, that I feel uncomfortable when I read these um, and put it out to the world. So it's kind of a, a, a balance, um, for a better, uh, lack of a better word, that we talk about mental health. And I don't mean like willy-nilly, like, oh, yeah, yeah, mental health. Oh, yeah, 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 mental health. Like, not everything is attributed to mental health. But I can say that majority of the things that we do need us to go to therapy. And a lot of us are walking around just kind of healing or like finding our way from things that we have to unlearn from our own childhood. And again, that's subjective. Um, There's individuals who have had a really hard upbringing and they don't consider that a hard upbringing, et cetera, right? So we cannot uh, impose our own views on how someone lives. But what I can say is this, take care of yourselves. And I'm, I mean that wholeheartedly, um, wholeheartedly in the sense of, you know, reach out to the people that you care about, um, if you don't care for somebody, and I, and I mean that genuinely, like, that's no hard feelings, that's no, like, you know, uh, I don't like them, just simply, like, you, you know, I like drinking tea, but, like, your tea is not the tea I want to drink, and that's fine, um, you start to realize, like, reach out to the people that you care about, you really don't know um, what people are going through what their mental is like until you walk in their shoes. And that's not a possibility for anyone by any means. Um, And so, you know, another topic that I will bring up, and this might end up being a three-part series, um, and I'll come back to this conversation about healing and education, is... um, suicidal ideation and suicidal attempts and just, you know, those who have done it. Um, You know, this is obviously um, coming from 
the recent news. But, you know, man, this is tough. So I'll say this. As someone that teaches kids regularly, man, our kids are going through a lot and they are more privy to mental health and talking about the things that they care about and talking about the things that hurt, harm and hurt them. But I can also say that, hold on, it's loud. I hope you do not hear that noise. Anyway, I can say that the system of education is hard because The politics will tell you, test them, test them, test them, test them, test them, test them until they have nothing else to test for. Then they'll tell you, make sure you have your social emotional um, uh, incorporated in your lesson plans and incorporated in your lesson. This is very similar to what I've um, seen and um, found and observed um, when it comes to culturally sustaining pedagogy. Um, Oh, make sure that culture is is mentioned or figured out in your lesson. Make sure that that's touched on. When authentically those things happen when you are passionate about education, right? And I say that as someone who has had students tell me like, Miss Lopez, I've, you know, hurt myself or I've, I've done something really bad or et cetera. You know, and of course, as a mandated reporter, I reported it, but knowing that, like, you have to have the space to do that. You have to have, allow the space to do that. Um, students will only open to open up to people that they trust, as they should, as they should. Not because, oh, well, this is my teacher, I'm going to open up to this person, but This human being that happens to teach me really cares about me, asks me about my day, um, wonders about me, knows the things that I like. Even in a classroom setting, well, this is the person I'm going to trust. That's a reality. That's across the board. You do not expect a child to trust everybody. They shouldn't. And so when it comes to healing and education, that's where my my foundation lies in really digging deep into social emotional without the data, without the, you know, like make sure in, in advisory or wherever in, in the periods that you have your students that you talk about X, Y, and Z. And also be able to heal with your students. I can say that clearly, like there's things about me that I'm not afraid to talk about at all. And nothing is off the table when it comes to my students for them to get to know me. And that, yes, of course, there's privacy in terms of certain things. But I definitely let them know that like, the things that they think is embarrassing shouldn't be because we need to talk about it. Going back to that idea of being able to talk about mental health allowing those things to happen. My kids know that I go to therapy. 
my daughter knows that I go to therapy. Like that's a regular thing in my home. And the reason that I've done that, like at first I used to hide it from my daughter and, you know, and, and I started to kind of unpack that, you know, unpack the sense of, well, I'm going to therapy and it's something private. So I don't want anybody to know about it. Wonderful. Great. If that's you, great. But if someone is asking, like, I would say, yes, I'm going to therapy and I think everybody should. And I'm coming from a place of like, you know, we really don't know how our behavior and our reactions and the we, the way we have learned certain just social things um, and psychological things come from trauma. And it takes talking to a complete stranger to, and a licensed complete stranger to really figure it out, right? And we can sit here and talk about generational traumas and we can talk about, you know, healing and what that looks like and how it, the journey is different for everyone, which is absolutely 100% true. But knowing that, you know, me saying I'm in therapy and that is really what I need all of y'all to know. And also for those folks who are afraid of being medicated, like, if you know that cognitively in your brain there's something wrong and you do not feel okay to the point that you may harm yourself or harm your or harm others, it is a thousand percent okay to take medication for it. Here's my analogy. Someone who has um, problems with their kidney goes and gets medication or dialysis or et cetera for their kidney. It allows them to function properly in terms of their body. It is the same idea for your brain. It is the same idea for your brain. And, and as someone who practices and loves um, and understands um, spirituality and brujeria, like, I will tell you 100% that I fall on a cusp. Like, I don't expect people to just, like, take Western medication um, and Western medicine for what it is um, and accept everything. I'm not saying accept everything. That's not what I'm saying. But if you make a decision, like, I'm not okay, I really need this, to function, medication is not forever. Medication is it shouldn't be forever. Therapy, once you feel like you're okay and like I got I gained the tools in my toolbox to move on and move forward and I can really I've made this a behavior that I can keep up, then by any means, like again, you can tell your um therapist, I'm good, we're good, it's good. Also, I can also say this. Don't think that because you tried therapy once, that's it, like, this isn't for me, I don't like it, it's not cool. That therapist may not have been for you. And I I will say this, as someone who identifies as an Afro-Latina, a Black person in the United States, in New York, 
I can say this, that having therapists that look like us, speak like us, eat the things we do, um, and culturally exist in spaces like we do is imperative. I cannot emphasize how important it is for your therapist to know you culturally. And I'm saying that as someone who has seen a white woman therapist, I started to omit things to that person and not to knock her. You know, I don't, I don't use names. It's not my thing, but not to knock her. I used her for a couple months and I just didn't, it did not work out. It didn't work out. And I was just like, this isn't like, this isn't helping because I can't be myself. I cannot tell her this and this has happened to me without her, without me, my perceived idea that she is going to judge me. And, you know, so I let that go. And now I have an amazing therapist. Um, and she's a, um, black African woman. She is amazing. And of course, again, can't talk about who she is, but she is amazing. And that's not to say that, you know, as a person of color, you, you find someone that is of another race, of another culture that you're like, okay, I really fucks with this person heavy. Cool. That works. But that's not going to always happen for everybody. And that's why I'm saying it is so important for those of the of you out there listening that want to become social workers, that want to become psychiatrists, that be, go and do it. Go and do it. Go and do it. Especially if you are a um, marginalized group, if you fall under a marginalized group. We need more therapy, um, therapists that, you know, love like us. Um, that understand culturally who we are and that's just the reality and I also feel like that also needs to trickle down to school counselors and school counselors um, are so important for our young folks um, because they are going through it boy like I think about my own middle school experience and I'm like I could never Go through this during a pandemic. Go through puberty during a pandemic? Like, y'all are crazy. And they're doing it. And that's what we need to acknowledge of our young people, that they are. They're doing it. They may feel like they are bombarded with so much. And I can say as someone who sees the system, understands it, and does not like it. Like foundationally, I feel like education needs not a revamp, but a completely structural change. And it starts from the not the bottom up, from the up up to bottom. Because as a teacher and as someone who loves what they do, I am leaving for um an administrative role. And I want to say that like, if I could live in the classroom for the rest of my life, I would. But 
I really need to be more impactful. And um, again, realizing like, oh, but they're not learning, but they're not learning, but they're not, but the data says, and look, as a math teacher, I love numbers. Data is my, my, my thing. Like there, data is my thing. I love data. I love um, qualitative, quantitative data, stats. You talk about numbers, you won me, you won me. But you cannot take away the humanness of education without knowing that we need to know the whole child. We need to understand that whole child. And it simply means stopping your lesson when it's not working out and saying, what's up? Something happened before I entered this room and I need to know about it so that I can then figure out how we can solve this and then move forward. That's why, like, when it talks uh, about um, curriculum, um, which also I'm passionate about knowing the material, understanding the curriculum, understanding all of that is great. But if you cannot get to know these students, these children, especially black and brown children, then you can actually teach them. And it's something empowering to say, hey, this is me, this is what I've gone through. Can you tell me a little bit about you? And I've had kids like really like, oh my goodness, I can't believe Ms. Lopez has gone through this and this and this. And it's like they see us as a part of something that is far removed from them. And you have to show them that you're not. Um, You're building relationships with young folks. You're building relationships to care for them so that that you can kind of touch them in, in terms of their academics. But first, there's no way that you can lead the mind without leading the heart. And I know I sound like probably like a fortune cookie somewhere, but I really believe that. And it's funny because I have these discussions and these conversations with my twin sister, shout out to her, but like she was making fun of me and, you know, like on a friendly, you know, it's my sister, whatever. Anyway, um, she says to me, like, you need to see um, a bot, or I can't pronounce words, you know, whatever, elementary, um, because it's really good. And I'm like, okay, cool, I'll check it out. And I started watching it. She goes, I really feel like anytime I think of you as a teacher, because obviously she's never seen me teach, she's like, I think of the main character as you. And I started dying when I saw this show because I'm like, yo, this is really me. And I'm, you know, four years in and I'm still passionate about this. And I don't think I'm ever going to lose my passion about teaching young folks and especially my bilingual babies, my um, black and brown children. Like, I'm meant for this. And I say that wholeheartedly. Like, I wouldn't know what to do 
outside of those demographics. And um, so when we talk about healing, especially in the black and brown communities, it's a very hush, hush um, taboo. It's something that we don't talk about. Like, oh, this person is, you know, um, going through it. And we also then have gotten better generationally to really call a spade a spade. But you still have folks saying that, you know, this person is possessed or like it chalk it up to, to, um, to the devil. Like, that is why, and that's another segment in terms of belief and religion that I would discuss eventually, that's why I have a hard time really, um, really subscribing to any specific religion. And that's not to say, like, I did grow up Catholic, um, went to Catholic school all through high school, um, but... I really don't subscribe to any religion, and that's why. Um, so there's that. Um, and if we talk about healing, um, we have to start with self. And as a teacher, um, I see it often that a lot of teachers don't believe or don't feel like they need to have a full cup before they can pour into their kids. And that is absolutely 100% untrue. Um, Your cup has to be completely full for you to pour onto your kids. And I say that as a mom, I say that as a teacher, that the best thing that has happened to me as a um, mom and as an educator is really taking care of me mentally. Um, I can say this as during the pandemic, there was just so much happening around me that my sense of self was shook to the core And I felt um, a sense of emptiness um, and a sense of sadness that I couldn't describe. And I felt isolated, which essentially um, created paranoia and constant paranoia. You know, like your healthy amount of paranoia is fine in terms of like, you know, instinct and being instinctive is is a wonderful thing. Go with that. But when it leaks over to paranoia um, and you start to isolate yourself in terms of your friends, your family, etc., seek help. Seek help because um, people will really show you that they care. And that's you know, I'm not for the performative. I'm not for, you know, um, the shucking and jiving. Like, that's not who I am. Um, but I will say this, that I can 100% say as I'm driving home that I know the handful of people 
that I trust with my life. The handful of people that I trust with my life. And these are people that treat me like, treat me well, respect my boundaries. When I say no, they don't keep pushing. Um, they understand the sensitive and, and awkward human that I am, right? And that's not to say that, like, I wasn't, I wasn't wrong in certain situations, right? And I'm saying that as someone that, like, really kind of, again, was talking through things um, and realized, like, holy crap, I was wrong. But I needed to go to the therapy to acknowledge those things, acknowledge the flaws, because there is no perfect human being. So if somebody tells you they're a perfect human being, they, you need to run. Like, the red flag or whatever Instagram does, um, complete red flag, but it's to say that, like, did you take accountability for your actions, did you genuinely apologize, and if, as a person, and I'm saying this across the board, whether that's a child, older person, younger person, same age, like, I apologize to my daughter all the time because I need her to know that I make mistakes. And so healing is all part of that. But you also need to know that your healing journey is different from anyone else's. And they may be in a different stage than you, which means that you have to be patient, practicing patience and peaceful Kindness, compassion, these things are, are not taught in school, but they need to be. Um, especially because if you afford these qualities and these, um, these, uh, these qualities to others, why not for yourself? So... That is now realizing that, like, healing, again, is a complete and utter process that does not end. It, it, does, it doesn't end. It does not end. And you also need to know that your kids go through things because of who they have at home that they may not be willing to share with you. And they are also, um, you are only seeing them through a teacher-student connection. So there is so many layers to healing. So when you have that kid that is disruptive and and getting up and just moving around and doing whatever, et cetera, um, you got to sit back and think, like, why is that? It's the same idea as that student who falls asleep in class and they, like, are knocked out. Like, what happened before they were in my class that got them that exhausted? Besides the fact that they're going to school through a whole pandemic. I'd be tired, too. And then they come back to school and they get all these exams and all this other stuff that has zero to do 
with their social and emotional. Again, there is policy that drives education. Um, there is politics that drives education and the educational system. And then there's practice. And when you, you really want healing to happen in practice in real time, you gotta slow down. You gotta slow down and start to realize that these are individual human beings that we are teaching, not numbers. And again, numbers tell stories. So I really love that. But individually, how can I take care of this person right now? So I've taught lessons where kids couldn't sit still. So I had them run in place. Or we had these little pedal things that we can have them pedal underneath. Um, and you start to realize like, oh my goodness, this child is extremely intelligent. You just can't sit still. And that is okay. That's where you meet them where they are. That child who's sleeping couldn't sleep last night. Something happened at home. Was playing video games all night. That could be a thing. But you wouldn't know that if you don't ask them. You're not making assumptions. These are actual people in your classrooms. And I say this to say, like, you know, even down as, as a mom, I, I've shifted my thinking about um, parenting. Like, once I understand that Marley is going to have, um, my daughter is going to have experiences um, outside of me. My role as a mom is to guide her, not be her, not control her, but guide her. And that means that I have to take care of me to be able to do that. Ask her, what are you thinking about this? What is your opinion on this? How would you like for us to move forward? This happened. How can I solve it? Did I make a mistake? Do you want me to apologize? I, I, I'm going to apologize, but how can I fix it? Or how can we move forward? These are all things that as parents, um, I feel like we can do with our kids. And I think we're doing it as a millennial um, parent. We're doing it a lot more than our previous generation. Um, I grew up with a chancla. I grew up with um, el cinturón. Um, I grew up with um, parents that didn't play. Like, you're going to respect me because I'm your parent. But why? <laughs> you know? And it took me having a daughter to know that. It took me having a daughter that I want to have um, an amazing relationship with 
because again, she's an entity outside of myself. She came from me, but she is an entity of herself. She, her qualities, everything about her is her. And I need to heal the parts of me that I don't want to transfer to her. That's just, that's just the reality. And what we do not heal, we repeat. That simple. What we do not heal, we repeat. Um, I will also have a discussion eventually in one of these um, about, oh, goodness, that was 34 minutes? Oh, man, I need water. Hold on. I'm out here parched, and it's... I can't believe I, man, I'm sorry, y'all. I I really thought that I would just, wow. I really can talk. Well, life of an introvert. Um, I will say this, that, that, um, I'm going to end it now because I feel like this can go on for an hour and I don't want it to. Um, I really, I'm, man, I really expected my little pot, my, my little, I, I can't, I don't want to minimize it. I really thought my sessions would be just 15, 20 minutes. And here I am talking your ears off for 40 minutes. And I hope I'm entertaining you. My goodness. If you got to this point, please, please send me a message, an email, a text. Like, girl, this was good. Or, girl, can you shut up? Either way, I would love some feedback. I will say this. I've gotten um, some feedback from people I really care about. Um, you know, shout out to um, Sarah Lisa. Shout out to um, to Jelly. Um, I call her boo-boo. I know that means shit in some places. So, please, no. It, like, I've been calling her that pretty much. Well, we've been calling that each other for all of life but anyway like giving me really constructive and um good feedback um so again wow 40 minutes uh but yeah I have a lot to say um and here goes the ums again uh I really am gonna do a like a contest of how many ums I can say and like the person that wins gets like a gift card or something. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up at this point. But um, I really feel like this can be an additional conversation um, or monologue, right? That's monologue. Monologue is not a conversation. It's monologue because, yeah, okay. I'm derailing quickly. But healing and education um, we have a long way to go. We have a long way to go. We do. We absolutely 100% do. Um, also shout out to Melinda, who is an amazing person and an amazing social worker, um, who literally opened my eyes to what a social worker can be. Um, from coming from the background that I came from, coming from the existence of just, you know, being uh, a poor kid from the South Bronx, 
I can say that therapy literally has changed my life. And I would love to have some of my really like, I could really have some of you as guests. I would really love that. Um, But I am almost home and uh, I'm still driving, still doing that thing with the driving. Um, And now I'm 40 minutes in. I'm going to end it here. We will take, we'll pick this up um, tomorrow, but it's going to be a shift. I'm going to do digital literacy and then I'll go back to the, I'll bring, I'll come back to this topic because clearly I have a bunch of words for this. Um, But thank you for listening. I appreciate all the love that I'm getting, all the positive feedback. Um, You know, I've, I've gotten contacted by people that I'm like, bro, like I'm really loved and it is a beautiful feeling. Um, to, especially for someone that has a bunch of negative self-talk in their head, um, to really have people that like genuinely want to hear me talk. Like, I don't know. That's weird. Whatever. I love (laughs) y'all. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye.